everybody to All About Windows Phone Insight, podcast number 112, recording this on Thursday, 2nd of October 2014. A few apologies that were a bit delayed we missed last week due to logistics, Mr. Ray Blanford. That's right. I was taking a, a short break in Pembrokeshire and didn't quite manage to get the recording done between a combination of that and other factors. But we have got a kind of a bumper episode, quite a bit to talk about including a brand new device that's just arrived in the office and Steve's going to be telling us a little bit more about that. Looking forward to hearing about that. But I think we're going to go through uh, a few news items first, aren't we, Steve? Yeah, I didn't want to go through every one of the stories that happened since we last recorded, Ray, but I did want to cherry pick a few just uh, from the last uh, two weeks. Uh, Display adapters. Now, at EFA 2014, uh, Nokia released the HD10, a Miracast adapter. You just sit there and you can stream stuff from your Windows, Windows phone to HDMI-capable TV. I get that. Uh, and then, a few weeks later, Microsoft announced its own, the, the, the quote, Microsoft wireless display adapter, ostensibly doing exactly the same thing. Hang on a minute. Isn't Nokia the same as Microsoft? Didn't Microsoft buy a Nokia, this, <laughs> this part of Nokia? Why are the two different offices in the same building released different products? Well, I suspect they're not in the same building. As we uh, talked about when Microsoft did acquire Nokia, it was going to take a while for kind of the full impact to be measured. And if you think of about accessories like that, particularly the Nokia version, which uh, is actually more advanced than the Microsoft version in that it also has kind of a, a puck that goes with it and yeah. what can be best to be described as a wireless beer mat that you can tap onto the phone and then have it do the whole uh, magically appear mirrored on your TV screen or whatever you've got it plugged into, whereas the, the Microsoft version is more like the Google Chromecast. It's just a dongle that you add into your TV to make it uh, Miracast-capable. So I think they were probably developed at the same time. Those things might be in development for a year or so. So I suspect they were both, you know, ready to release and will release both of them. Because actually they've got subtly different uses. Uh, the, the Nokia one, or I guess we should call it the Lumia one really, is really based around pairing it with a phone. Whereas the Microsoft is one is uh, an adapter cable that can be used with a whole range of things. It's worth um, bearing in mind that that kind of Miracast technology is used in laptops, it's used in tablets, it's also in some PCs, so it's not just phones. Right. So there are a lot of people that might choose to use it without a Lumia device. Um, a lot of TVs already have it built in. Uh, it's a really fantastic technology, actually, because you, know, you just connect to the Miracast thing, it happens over the Wi-Fi network, and you get your screen mirrored. So you can you know, watch YouTube videos, you can watch xbox videos or any other content you know kind of use your big tv screen as a kind of a, a browser window or whatever it happens to be um and so i've used it with both the 2520 with a laptop and also obviously with some lumia phones as well um as i say most tvs that you buy today over maybe the five six hundred pound price point will have it built in but cheaper tvs and obviously existing tvs may not and so that's where the microsoft cable comes in you'd probably opt for the Lumia version, which is going to be a bit more expensive if you kind of want that uh, kind of seamless sharing experience where you can just tap it onto this, this so this puck or this beer mat and it will automatically do <laughs> the setup for you. Actually, it works seamlessly. I mean, I saw it in Berlin at the kind of Lumia launch event. Uh, it's it's a really fantastic idea. And even though I've got Miracast built into my TV, I'd be tempted by the accessory just for that ease because I don't have to switch the inputs. It will just sort of do everything um, magically. But the Microsoft cable is going to be cheaper, and so it's kind of a case of co-development. But actually, they do have subtly different use cases as well. 
Yeah, just all right, one more story then. Um, this is the uh, there's a new shiny update, as I put it, for the Windows Phone preview for developers. Now, this is kind of people on the, if you like, the Microsoft Windows Phone beta track, <laughs> getting all the very latest updates. It's about a monthly schedule for updates. I honestly didn't notice anything different, but I, if you're going to be on the developers preview program, you might as well be bang up to date. Um, I, I get the feeling, though, Rafe, I'm, I'm guessing you're on the developer preview program on oh, most yeah, of your yeah. main Windows phones, that, that, that most of the, the, the remaining issues and problems in terms of everyday experience on Windows Phone is actually down to the application developers, not optimizing their applications to work with Windows Phone 8.1. I think the actual, the base OS there is, is probably there now in, its, in, in, in terms of its basic functionality. Uh, I think that's right. I mean, what the updates we're seeing now are probably going to be what Lumia Denim is based on top of. Um, and we're not really expecting to see big major functional changes. It's not like a big uh, version number update. Uh, there'll probably be, you know, a few things being fixed and also optimizations going on. But you're right. In that sense, I think actually some of the interest around 8.1 updates now shifts to the third party applications yeah. starting to take advantage of the new API feature. And so to, to bring up one example that's really relevant if you're upgrading or resetting a device, it's, you know, the backup and restore process is now pretty good. You can sign on to Wi-Fi. So it doesn't have to have a SIM card in there. It will download and replace your start screen. It'll do download the applications, but applications have to specifically uh, sort of save the data into the backup. And most applications aren't set up for that yet. And so you won't get your, your data restored. And so this is, if you're playing a game, it might be the, you know, the levels that you've saved or the progress in the game, or it might be some other bit of application data. Um, I think that sort of thing will come in quite slowly. You know, even when developers do choose to update, they might not choose to put in that bit of uh, functionality because a lot of them have done it kind of manually by building in OneDrive uh, functionality for backup or something like that. And there are, of course, then all the APIs around things like uh, Calendar, uh, some of the extensions as well, um, we're starting to see applications, as as we predicted, taking advantage of Bluetooth low energy. You know, the up band is due to release, uh, or dual boned up is due to release a Windows Phone app before too long. I think we'll see more of those. There's probably still some work to do there. There's sort of been some suggestions that uh, Denim may have some updates around sort of notifications that might be relevant for smartwatches, perhaps with you know wearables coming either from Microsoft or someone else next year. That'll be worth watching because obviously that's a uh, a pretty hot space but I, I think you're right to identify third-party applications as kind of the the interesting area and we've also talked in the past about uh, optimizing for 8.1 in terms of you know where the startup and also the resuming uh, functionality so yeah that that's probably a fair summary so actually in some ways the developer previews are now less interesting uh, i guess worth having because it'll fix bugs and probably improve battery life um but for yeah. a lot of people i'd actually say there's kind of if you're on a Lumia Sign 8.1 device, you probably don't need to worry too much, and it might be a, a good advice to say don't really bother with the developer preview at this point. Yeah. Uh, one thing, that, of course, having said that Windows Phone 8.1 is done, of course, uh, there are there is fundamental functionality which a lot of people like me have been crying out for. And dare I mention, Ray, you mentioned Bluetooth there, the HID, the hu Human Interface Device Profile, which is common to just about every other mobile OS which can talk to Bluetooth keyboards since 2001. And yet Windows Phone steadfastly refuses to implement Microsoft this HID profile. Do we, do we have any glimpses whether this might come 
coming in a future version. There hasn't been any comment from, from Microsoft on this, but do you remember chatting to Steve a little while ago and he said that one of his HID devices had appeared in one of his devices. So perhaps a hint that it's coming in a, a future update. We saw something similar actually happen for the Bluetooth low energy devices. So I wouldn't be that surprised if it's something that sneaked into potentially the update that comes with uh, Lumia Denim or perhaps the one after that. Um, so the idea of being able to use obviously external Bluetooth keyboards is, is a nice one. And I think it's going to become even more relevant as we move towards Windows 10 or Windows Phone 10 and that sort of thing, because there's going to be this unification with the tablets where, of course, the external Bluetooth keyboards make even more sense. So if it doesn't happen in the kind of current Windows Phone 8 release cycle, it will certainly happen with the next release of the phone version of Windows. Yeah, yeah. But of course, yeah, Bluetooth keyboard did connect my Windows Phone 8.1 device, but it didn't actually work. It just connected. So as you say, maybe they'll sneak in the, the working bit in the next update. Um, you also mentioned there Windows 10. Now, this was launched a couple of days ago, obviously for the ostensibly the, the entire range of Microsoft products and platforms, I guess. But they did show on uh, several of the slides um, that the Windows 10 running on smartphones. Now, uh, the, the question is, how much will this affect people running current Windows Phone hardware? For example, you, we've got Lumia 1520s, which is just about as up-to-date and high-spec as you can get in the Windows Phone world. Are we expecting that that might get the Windows 10 upgrade um, sometime middle of next year, or do we think we'll have to buy new hardware for that? No, I would expect the 1520 and the Snapdragon 800 family, so that's things like the uh, Lumia 930, and also things like the uh, Lumia 630 and 730, the sort of mid-tier devices on the Snapdragon 400 and then the Snapdragon 200, the 530, should all get that update. I mean, Microsoft have basically made a commitment to have the next and one more version for each of those devices. And the 1520 is actually going to benefit. It's going to kind of get uh, both, but it was one of those early ones on the uh, Snapdragon 800. Uh, Microsoft, as you said, kind of had their preview announcement for Windows 10, the next version of Windows. It really did concentrate on the tablet and the desktop, as you said. Phone was mentioned in a few slides. Uh, you know, I think you could consider Windows 10 in the same way that um, there was Windows 8 on the desktop and tablet, and then there's Windows Phone 8. Um, I think whether Microsoft chooses to continue calling it phone or not, you know, whether it's Windows Phone 10 or just gets called Windows 10, is probably a, 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 a debating point. And, of course, they are going to get closer together. I mean, each successive version of Windows Phone has kind of shared more things with the desktop, really starting off with Windows Phone 8 with the shared kernel. With the move to Windows Phone 8.1, you've got universal apps and the idea that yeah. you share more code. We'll see more of that. I don't think actually we're going to see them merge completely. Um, it's it, it's worth watching out for, and it's difficult to be absolute about this because, of course, Microsoft is playing things quite close to its chest. I mean, it has said that universal apps are the way to develop safely so you'd be able to run on both things. To me, that says there'll be more API unifications, but there's always going to be a UI difference between the sort of sub-7-inch um, screen devices and above-7-inch screen devices. And then, of course, one of the points about Windows 10 was it kind of made more mode distinctions between things like tablets and then touchscreen laptops and desktops with keyboards. Um, it, uh, you know, there's plenty of information about it on the web, but that kind of the summary of it is that it's really bringing the best of Windows 7 and combining it with Windows 8. I mean, you can see it as a step back or Microsoft retreating from what it was done with Windows 8. Uh, you know, uh, it depends which side of the Microsoft commentary fence you fall on, really, how critical or how positive you are about it. I think one of the interesting thing was they really played up the enterprise side of it, and that's because a lot of enterprises like Windows 7. And But for the phone side of it, I think that's 
quite interesting because potentially that enterprise uh, sector is something we've previously identified and continue. I continue to believe it's uh, got a lot of potential uh, for Windows Phone in terms of you know growing, not necessarily becoming the new BlackBerry, but certainly having a very strong play in that enterprise sector. And uh, there's a lot of other things to like in, in Windows 10 in terms of some of the UI things they've done and the snap views. I think some of that will uh, trickle down to Windows Phone 10 or whatever it, it choose to be called. But uh, that's kind of a very long-winded answer to your question about <laughs> whether you'll see uh, Windows 10 on the kind of existing hardware. Yes, I absolutely think we will. Um, that's one of the reasons they went for the Common Core. And it's obviously going to be a big UI update. And I think we can expect to see further maturity in terms of APIs and feature depth. You know, just as 8.1 was sort of the uh, the catch-up release to some of the things like Android and iOS, I think 10 will continue that. They'll, there's clearly still the odd gap, but I wouldn't be at all surprised to see Microsoft start doing a few innovations of their own, and there'll be a big, big message about the sort of similarities and the unification from PC, laptop, tablet, phone. Yeah, well, just uh, shown by the, the, the image I chose to use in the news story, exactly. showing everything from the tiniest phone to the largest desktop. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and oh, it's a strong yeah. message. I mean, yeah. as a, you know, for consumers, there's a lot of, <laughs> I think, for in the techie circles, not a lot of people like Windows 8. But that kind of proposition of a single offering and a single way of doing things across all your devices, it, I think, is quite a powerful one. I'd be interested to hear what you think, Steve, whether that's something you think will appeal to consumers. Uh, I absolutely do. I, I went to a phone shop just now, and I was <laughs> always interested to see how many Windows phones they have on display. It's currently running at about 10%, which I guess reflects the market share in the UK. But uh, I, I would hope that uh, as Windows 10 mid-2015 becomes more more acceptable and dominant, it starts to be a ship on new PCs across the UK, across Europe, across the world, then people will recognize the phones more and recognize the tablets more, and these things will all feed off each other. So you did mention a, a UI change. Of course, I don't think there'll be that much of a UI change on the phone. The phone is already already running this, you know, the full touch interface, as it were, um, and you're obviously not going to be able to go back to a, a desktop or a start <laughs> button or anything like that. So I don't think Windows 10 will look drastically different on the phone. Obviously, no, I, the biggest difference will be the um, the underlying specs and the, the new hardware that comes along in the intervening months. I think that's right. I mean, it, it, we're talking about refinements to typography and maybe iconography as well, and maybe, you know, the introduction of some new elements. I mean, 8.1, we had to pull down for notifications. You know, it's possible that Microsoft will you think more about a bit task switching or the way notifications are shown i mean I, I think a good bet for example would be to have the interactive notifications as we've just seen introduced in ios 8 and sort of some more innovation on the lock screen and, and things like that there's you know, plenty of room for development in fact we're going to see some of that come with uh, lunar demon and uh, yeah it, it's difficult to predict i mean as as we said, you know, this Windows 10 event wasn't really about phone. And um, we can expect to hear more kind of next spring. That's when it's going to come out. We might even see the first devices um, at MWC uh, next year, although kind of the full release of uh, Windows 10 is, is expected to be, I think, March, April time rather than sort of earlier in the year. But certainly worth watching. And um, Microsoft has said in the past that this new release of Windows, they expect it to happen on the same time on sort of desktop PC as on phone or across the whole family of devices. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we're, we're certainly rattling through the news stories. <laughs> Here's another one for you. This is rather, rather major in a way, minor in another. Um, the Bing applications, Windows Phone, and also for Windows itself, and we've been rebranded now, now under MSN. Now, some people have been very sniffy about this, Rafe, and they said, well, MSN, that's something from the dot-com era 15 <laughs> years ago. But MSN stands for Microsoft. 
think it's a perfectly fine name and a logical name for all these applications and content that lives under the Microsoft banner. Why not call it MSN and, and even expand it when necessary to Microsoft networks? It's certainly a lot, lot better than the rather jokey and Steve Balmerish Bing, which I never, never liked. Yeah, it's a, an interesting one. I think uh, branding and marketing is a, a complex subject. But to me, it feels like the kind of the right sort of move in that it's a rationalization rather than, you know, branding for the sake of it, which you could kind of level at Bing. And I don't have any problem with the, the search engine being referred to as Bing, although I think actually search sort of should really become invisible. And whether you have a brand associated with it or not, it's kind of interesting. You think about uh, Cortana on certain 8.1 device and whether that could be integrated into browse and desktop for the, it's kind of an aside, but of course, also, along with these apps, you know, these apps also exist on um, Windows 8 on, on laptops and tablets and PCs. And there's also a big relaunch of the MSN site itself as well. So, uh, you know, that consolidation to me feels like a sensible move. I think for people between the ages of maybe, let's say, 25 and 40, there's kind of an association with the first iteration of MSN and MSN Messenger, some of which can maybe stirs up bad memories. It's sort of the bad old days of the big portals, be it AOL, MSN, Yahoo, CompuServe, all of those from the early days of the internet. And they all had their time. But it's worth remembering that MSN is a brand. It's actually still in, the, I think it's the top 10 most visited sites in the internet. It doesn't quite compared to the likes of uh, Google and, and Facebook, but it's still the start page because Internet Explorer is a default browser on a lot of devices out there. So it is a brand that will be uh, familiar to a lot of people. And so it kind of stands for that, to me at least, that generic information. So it fits quite nicely with the idea of sports, news, weather apps, at least in my view. So probably was a smart decision, but I guess you'll always find people critical of those kind of rebranding uh, decisions. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is something that uh, I found very welcome, although given that we missed a week in our podcasting, this um, story is going to be rather belated. But they had the OneDrive, Microsoft have uh, given anybody who had the uh, photo auto backup turned on set on or were using it during September, which is now finished, of course, and um, they got an extra 12 gigabytes. Now, the, the, the actually figure quoted was 15 gigabytes free, but in actual fact, I think we already had three as a camera roll bonus from sometime last year. So most people ended up with an extra 12 gigabyte. But if you go to your OneDrive application, if you're listening out there, and then click on the account in settings and then tap on manage storage, you get booted off to the OneDrive website, which breaks down exactly how your OneDrive storage maps out. And you should see there, if you were you indeed backing up photos in September, um, camera roll bonus listed there as 15 gigabytes. So uh, most of, most people hopefully that, Rafe. Yeah, it's a nice extra to have. I mean, after all, photos, I think, are probably, especially if you've got the automatic upload turn on for the highest or full resolution, can take up a lot of space. I was looking at my uh, OneDrive space the other day, and I now have something like 25 uh, gigabytes of photos stored on OneDrive after uh, you know three or years or, or so of having them automatically update or me putting uh, photos up there. I have since added some of my photos from my own from a standalone camera, but that still you know feels feels uh, like several thousand images that didn't actually go through and do a count or anything like that. And so actually, I'm kind of using up all the bonus space. I've actually I got a subscription to Office 365, which means I get an extra terabyte of space with that. And so it wasn't yeah. desperately. Needed. Needed, uh, but it's surprising how quickly that cloud storage 
space can fill up. So I think it's uh, generous of Microsoft to sort of do that for free. But it's also a very, very clever move when you consider that uh, Apple is giving, I think, five gigabytes of iCloud storage space away for free, but then expects you to start coughing up money. The fact that, you know, you're you're not having to do a monthly subscription for um, space on your cloud storage, for most people, I would imagine, is going to be kind of a nice little extra. And it's one more reason in the kind of the tick in the column that um, you might buy a, a Windows phone device. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, one more story before we hit the the, the hardware uh, part of the podcast. Um, Here Maps, obviously uh, <laughs> not actually owned by Nokia anymore, um, has announced plans, uh, certainly in an informal interview, and I think probably officially as well, to bring Android and iOS versions up to Windows Phone's level. Now, the, the quote that got everyone talking, Rafe, was they said, um, Fernback, Mr. Fernback, Sean Fernback said, as a result of the uh, the transaction, that's, that's Microsoft buying Nokia, we're having to wind down our Windows Phone app development and shift it over towards Android and iOS, which which kind of makes sense. They, they, they want to be cross-platform. I think it's the phrase wind down Windows Phone app development. And I can, they kind of clarified it later. And the way I understand it, Rafe, is that the, the Microsoft uh, Windows Phone um, version of Here Maps, which we've been using now for, what, three or four years, is, is pretty darn mature. There are a few, t- few tiny functions that would be nice to have, but it's basically done. Um, and they know what they've got the Android and iOS versions, which are very, very, very immature, and they obviously need to be brought up to the same level. What I'm hoping will happen is that all three will end up at the same level, and then they can develop all three in, in tandem. And I think that's the way it's going to go. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I mean, just to be clear here, Nokia does own uh, Here Maps, or Here is one of its. Right, the old Nokia, as, as in indeed, Microsoft. Indeed, <laughs> and it, it's now Microsoft. It gets ever so confusing with all these names. It's kind of uh, almost makes you look forward to the Nokia name disappearing off the devices, though not really for us uh, old school people. <laughs> uh, but you're right. I think there's a couple of important points to make here. The first is Microsoft actually has kind of a special license from Here to not only use the data, which a lot of companies do, you know, it's kind of the most used mapping platform anywhere in the world. It's in 80% of cars and all the other bits of data that um, here we'll talk about. But Microsoft actually kind of has a, a partner license. And it's a bit like the different types of licenses you have for the ARM processors. You can just choose to use the ARM designs and that's fine. Or you can choose to have a close partnership, in which case you know, companies like Apple will draw on the basis of the ARM designs, but will then do their own work on top of it. So Microsoft has a license a bit like that for the uh, Here Map. So that means it can integrate it really deeply into the platform. And indeed, that's why Here Maps is the kind of the map platform of choice on Windows Phone and indeed other Windows devices as well. Um, it also means that they can sort of do the full development effort themselves in terms of the application. And uh, when this whole uh, Microsoft Nokia deal was being mooted, there was a question around, well, who's going to actually do the app development work for uh, Here Maps? At one point, when I talked to the Here people, they said, actually, the you know, app development will be handed off to Microsoft. They'll take that over. It now looks like um, Microsoft is probably going to get here to do the development for them. Um, and so we will continue to see updates. But I think quite rightly here have said, well, we're not having the same amount of investment. We're going to use some of our developer resources that exist already to kind of look at Android and iOS versions. And they'd be mad not to release an Android and iOS version. You know, they want to become the kind of the cross-platform map player in the same way that Google Maps is available on other platforms. And actually, they almost have a benefit because they're going to be platform neutral. They're not associated or not owned by one of the manufacturers or one of the platforms now. And so, you know, if they get their cars, you know, they can sort of make inroads 
And I think it's going to be really, really difficult to uh, shift Google Maps because, you know, Google is actually saying it's part of the deal now that you have to install certain Google apps if you want to be sort of Google certified Android. So I'm not sure they can get around that. But it's interesting to see that sort of Samsung has been picking up Him apps and has signed a deal there on things like their watches and potentially elsewhere as well. That's going to be a really interesting one to watch the whole tension between uh, Google and Samsung. But uh, I think this whole story was a bit of a, a storm in a teacup in the sense that, of course, they're going to you know wind down Windows Phone development in the sense it's not going to be their only priority. It will be worth keeping an eye on to see how many updates do come out. And I think people are quite rightly concerned that will this suddenly mean here maps on windows phone doesn't get actively developed and what about here trans and some of the kind of companion apps that go along with all those here services i i think microsoft is wise enough not to sort of just let it stagnate altogether uh, but it is a relatively mature app and there isn't anything you immediately go oh it needs to have x y and z i think you always want some people wanting more powerful features and that's where you probably go to the third party sat nav applications you know things like copilot but for me, actually, the things that probably need improvement in investment as much as anything are the data, you know, the underlying maps. There's always room for improvement there. And particularly with the um, overhead photos and maybe the introduction of some of the uh, data collected from the very advanced here cars, which do 3D uh, mapping based on LIDAR and other technologies. And I wonder whether we'll see that sort of appear at some point and whether because they have this special relationship, it might appear on Microsoft first. But uh, until we sort of see real evidence of it sort of being a slowdown, I wouldn't worry too much. And actually the thing to keep an eye out for is we're going to see much higher quality satellite mapping coming in because that's something here we've been uh, working on for a while. I suspect that will probably be the next big update that we see in, in here maps and that maybe before the end of the year or maybe early next year. Yeah, well, of course, um, as Microsoft starts phasing out the name Nokia, then the old Nokia, which has started making tires and boots and so on, which now owns here maps, can actually revert here maps to being called Nokia maps. It's going to get very confusing. I'm already confused, Rafe. I, I think they'll stick with here maps because they've established the here brand. And um, I think there's got a, a smart side bet that um, here might actually get spun out of Nokia as a separate company. Um, and you know, there's still going to be this issue with Nokia name being associated with phones. And so keeping it with here is probably going to keep more of their partners happy and you know, their their business is to be on as many different platforms as many different map provisions a, as possible you know not just the cars they want to be in government offices they want to be in web apps they want to be in third-party apps you know, regardless of the device and so i'd expect it to maintain the here name rather than nokia but uh, you never know i might be proved wrong and look stupid in six months time uh, let's move on quickly to the hardware before we finish this podcast we have got the lumia 735 in review. This is the single SIM version of the uh, what Microsoft are, are not accurate calling the selfie phone. I would just say well, the 830 is due in for review next week, so we'll come to that in next week's podcast, hopefully. Hey, Rafe, and I know you handle this at this IFA 2014. Um, I've only had it now for 24 hours, but I'm still knee-deep in the review and hopefully get out within a few days. Uh, most of it is obviously fairly well known. It's Windows Phone 8.1 um, with the sort of Lumia denim tweaks as well. Though a lot of the denim stuff, interestingly, is to do with imaging and the higher-end chipsets and then much more in the 830 is hardly used at all in the 735 but um three things i wanted to talk about on this podcast the first is the build quality which is tremendous um i w when i first got it out of the box i thought well this is another you know like the lumia 920 and 95 it's a really nice unibody feels great in the hand the fabulous design 
And then there was a sticker on the back saying, this is how you get the back off. And I couldn't believe it. So, <laughs> and, and it's, it takes a bit of doing with some strong fingernails, but the back comes off and there's how you put the SIM card in, the micro SD, and how you can change the battery. And then the, the back snaps on again. And it's like it's a unibody device. It's so solid. It's so, it's so integral. You, it, if, that's why Nokia included a sticker. Otherwise, people would have A, not known to take the back off, or B, started jamming it open with a, sharp, a jeweler's screwdriver, for goodness sake. So really, really top-notch build quality and design, I think, from Nokia there. It is, and I, I can now tell an embarrassing story. When I was uh, at the launch event for this uh, device, I actually made the assumption that it didn't have uh, a micro SD stock because I couldn't see where it you know, fitted in on the outside and I didn't think it was a removable battery. It wasn't until one of the demo guys pointing it out to me that you could take the back off that I realised, which is kind of a testament to this uh, unibody yeah. knot design that uh, Steve is talking about there. And, uh, you know, it, you don't want to get too wound up in design features but actually it's a great example of how a company that has kind of this heritage of design and this history of great hardware does something that kind of stands out from everything else on the market particularly at this price point you know you do get other devices with you know, similar specs and everything else but it feels like a really solid piece of design and is as you say a continuation of that fabulous design language and you know, it for me it's a shame that it's going to get known as a selfie phone because i actually think that continuation of that fabulous design language particularly that price point and particularly integrating removable battery and micro sd is a really really nice thing and the other thing i want to to kind of highlight that i don't think people will realize looking at from the pictures it's actually a very light device um i'm sadly all the sort of the fabulous design language has tended to be a bit on the the heavy side you know you put them on the scale and you go oh it's been eating too many pies and the 920 was probably the most guilty in, yeah. in that respect um but even so the 800 and then the n9 for their size were still relatively heavy you pick up the 735 and it, particularly when you're it's partly because it is a smaller you know, device than you know the other you know, big flagships or even other mid-tier devices but uh, i wonder if that's something you notice you know you pick it up off the uh, off the table and you almost end up throwing it over your shoulder because it's much lighter than you kind of have an expectation of i didn't notice the weight so much i mean i i guess i've got a fairly wide tolerance of phone weights because i try so many of them but i not a direct uh, result of a build quality um more more design um is the fact that i'm just picking holding up the 735 next to a samsung galaxy at the moment in my hand and they're the same size and in fact the lumia is actually more ex heavier but they feel in the hand they that the 735 feels like a rolls royce compared to a i don't know a ford or something that that the the quality of the finish and every single corner, every single millimetre around the, the side of the screen, the way the glass curves off, and yet this is not a unibody. You have to keep saying, the back comes off, and yet it fits together like a unibody. Yeah, and that's important. I mean, I think you can't make measurements about how long it's going to last without actually sort of living with it for six months but it really does feel like a device that will stand the test of time through you know yeah. two years of ownership which is something i don't think you can say about a lot of the other mid-tier devices i mean i would ho highlight things like the uh, motorola g be that the first or the second edition and even something like the motorola e which uh, and actually i think the motorola g is probably kind of the the most direct competitor for the uh, 735 particularly once you allow for a bit of launch pricing deflation uh, 
and both those are really good in in that respect and it makes it stand out from a lot of the other mid-tier devices where there's kind of the emphasis on really going for the the specifications kind of max them out as much as possible and sometimes i think it's the design or the quality you know the, the built to last that gets cut back a little bit too much and and yes it's a plastic phone and and yes it doesn't perhaps feel quite so premium but if you like those that that kind of plastic design that it's got a nice finish on it it feels comfortable in the hand because of the rounded edges the 735 is a real stonker of a mid-tier device. I mean, the 830 is still going to be most people's choice, but it is a more expensive device. And it'd be really interesting to see what happens to the 730, 735's price point, because I reckon that could become kind of the device of choice for people who don't want to spend, you know, the 830 or the 930 yeah. price point, because it doesn't have, you know, quite so many compromises as something like the 530. And um, I do want to talk a little bit about a camera, because I was impressed by that in the 720. You know, of course, it's not a high-end device. Device. But for a, a mid-tier device, I think it's got a pretty great camera. And I know you went out and took a few experimental shots. So it's too early to give you a full assessment, Steve. But camera, yes or no? Yes, absolutely. I can give them some impressions. I've got uh, all sorts of sample images. I've been thumbnailing, ready for, to put in the review. Um, quite good results, I have to say. Um, the sensors and both the front and back cameras are on the large size for a device in, in this price segment. Um, certainly the front camera is a quarter-inch optical format, which is very large, a five, and 5 megapixel resolution. I have to say the Nokia are becoming past masters at uh, image processing in terms of noise reduction and sharpening. This has really came to light because I was uh, testing the Z3 and Z3 Compact from Sony against uh, some of Nokia's devices this week. And Sony make an absolute pig's ear of, of the image processing. I mean, so you can tell that it, it should be better than it is, and yet... Um, Samsung are pretty good at image processing and handling, you know, how much do you mess around with the image, the raw image that comes off the sensor before it gets encoded as a JPEG for the user. And I think Nokia, certainly with Lumia Sign and now with Lumia Denim, have really got nailed it. Um, yes, so in, in summary, images are really quite good. I, I was impressed for a device in this price segment. People have to look at the sample images and make up their own mind in the review, of course. We should just say that we just had to switch to cellular <laughs> Skype rather than broadband. We're pushing the limits of technology to bring you the end of this podcast, but I think we're we're kind of nearly done, Rafe. The, the review will be up over the next couple of days, and then, of course, got the Lumia 830 to, to review to look forward to next week, but we're, we're kind of over, over the half hour, so listen, anything else you want to sort of add, Will um, we'll finish there for this week yeah i think it's a, a good point to finish steve is sounding a bit like he's at the bottom of a very deep hole at the moment <laughs> as he's coming over 4g which is kind of appropriate i guess if um his broadband stopped working it does feel a bit like the world's ended and it's all gone all dark and all you can see is the stars uh but just to reiterate uh, what steve said there yeah the 735 i think and the 730 really punch above their weight for imaging when you think about the class of device and it's kind of a trend we've been seeing recently with uh cameras at the top and that they've you know got good enough and that in a lot of situations they're more than adequate for anything you might want them to do and um, i will insert for steve here a comment about xenon flash and the ability to free shots when people are moving about or in uh, night conditions what the 735 makes me think is we're continuing on from the 720, which there was a bit of a bigger gap. And I'm not saying the 735 is you know right at the top end or anything, but it's kind of introducing that idea of good enough cameras into the mid-tier. It does make me wonder whether that 735 device then becomes you know, more attractive as a mid-tier choice for people who don't perhaps want to spend as, as much as you know the top-end devices cost. And it'll be interesting to get 
Steve's take on the 8.30 when we had the review of that uh, in due course, because I think that's really going to hit it home. I mean, the 8.30 probably we talk about as a high-end device, but it's also one that isn't going to be the £500 price point. It's going to be, you know, the 400 and, and under. Yeah, oh, expecting yeah. it to have a, a really quite good camera. I mean, it has got the PureView brand. It has got the high megapixel count. The sensor size and all that sort of thing, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that more in in a future podcast. Um, but 735... Uh, the one caveat I'd add to all of that is I think at the moment, as with all new devices, there's a bit of a premium on the price. If you wait three months, that price is going to come down. And I think it's going to be absolutely stonking value. It's going to be a great device. And uh, it's probably not one that I'd carry around personally, but it's definitely the sort of device that I'd recommend to family members who like their tech, but don't necessarily feel they want to spend that much on a phone or don't need the, the top end yet, who feel a little bit frustrated with the 530 or the 630 type devices. I think 735 and the 830 are going to be really good. And uh, you know, my immediate reaction when seeing both devices was that uh, it feels like Nokia had, with those, or I should say Lumia, Microsoft, I'm still getting it wrong. Um, <laughs> I, should, I feel that they really nailed those mid-tier devices in, the way, in a way that they didn't with something like the 820. The 720 was actually uh, pretty close. And then you know, we didn't see much of the way of follow-up. We saw 625 as kind of a large device and 520, 625, 3630, all really good low-end devices. But there's been something missing in the middle. I now feel they bought that prowess, a really great value, great design from the low-end and put it in the mid-tier and a really great value there. Still work to do at the high-end in my my opinion, but we'll have to wait and see. And just to give you a little bit of a taste, the 830 to me looks like the device actually I'd probably be willing to carry in place of the 930 just because of uh, some of the extra elements it has and micro sd and a uh, glance screen we'll talk about it more when we've got it in review steve will be having first dibs on on, on that i'm rather jealous but uh, look forward to hearing uh, uh, steve's opinion and i think it's it is a good place to uh, end the podcast because i don't want to be uh, uh talking too much and we probably don't want too much of steve down a deep hole but i will just leave it to him to do the traditional sign off Thank you. And just to, to what I did say three things, the C735, and I don't want to go into detail now on the podcast, but uh, maybe we can cover this next week in detail, is the fact that the 735 and 730 don't have Nokia Glance despite, despite having an AMOLED screen. So maybe we can investigate and research this, Rafe, and cover it in more detail, because it also applies to 930 and the pros and cons and when is it, should it be there, shouldn't it be there? Maybe we can cover that in next week's podcast as the main discussion point. Uh, that's a good one, and we'll have uh, Steve talk a bit more about the 730 when he's had a, a week or so to use it but hopefully you've got a good flavor after see sort of first 24 hours with the device and we will we'll talk on it more and i will try and get hold of a 735 at some point as well and offer up an opinion too yeah okay but in the meantime it's uh goodbye from me and goodbye from me